Don't do this, Pittsburgh. Don't do it. It's going to end up being a mistake. Trust me on this one. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Bayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this, and I hope you'll check those out as well. The Penguins are back on the ice after a day off today, 11 a.m., practicing up at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex in Cranberry. Tomorrow night, they'll be playing the high-flying, that term gets overused, but it really applies to this group, Canucks, who are just ripping through everybody at both ends of the continent. Vancouver is scoring like crazy, and they're getting it from the front, they're getting it from the back, they're getting it from the wings, they're getting it from all over. And not that I'm making any prediction here or whatever, but it might not end up being a W for the home team. It might, but it also might not. And if it isn't, and this is a little bit of a pattern that I have picked up on of late, just judging from, you know, social media and so forth. Eric Carlson's going to end up getting a disproportionate amount of the blame. I'm surprised by this. I'm more than a little bit put off by it, but more than anything, I'm surprised. This is a very, very, very skilled hockey player who arrived on our shores with the most impeccable credentials, some of the most impeccable credentials of any player who's ever been acquired by the Penguins. You almost have to go back to Paul Coffey for the last guy who came here like right off of being a truly great player. Carlson just won the Norris Trophy. His name, and underneath it, San Jose Sharks, was the last one that was engraved on it. And from that, he comes to this and is immediately branded, I feel like, not by necessarily a majority, but a growing vocal minority of people who just don't get what this guy's all about. But even before I address what he's all about, I want to point out just like the simple basics of what we're talking about here. He's the Penguins' fourth leading scorer right now, seven goals and 21 assists. Out of those assists, out of the 21, 11 of them have been primary assists. This is a defenseman. He's not picking up cheapy helpers here. You know, he's not just banking it off the glass and hoping something good happens. He's making plays that lead directly to goals. He's also got, for those of you who are into the advanced metrics, a 55.81 Corsi 4 percentage at 5 on 5. If that sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook to you or whatever, I'll explain it. When he's on the rink and both teams are at even strength, or at full strength, I should say, 5 on 5, the Penguins produce 55.81% of all of the shot attempts in that span. That is very high, and it is very indicative of the Carlson effect on overall play, overall possession. So what is it about Carlson that has some people down on him? 
I'm going to venture to guess, again, based on just kind of surveying the scene, that it's that he commits giveaways. And he does. He's got 40 of them, officially. NHL stats, 40 giveaways. That ranks 7th in the NHL, and that's not a good thing to have a high ranking in. However, however, what I don't hear getting discussed anywhere near as much is how he handles those giveaways, how he responds, how he recovers is probably the best word, because he's got this phenomenal skating ability. Think of it kind of the same way we've been thinking of Chris Letang and his giveaways over the years. They don't often end up in the back of the net. Sometimes that's because the goalie bails him out. Sometimes that's because his defense partner bails him out. But sometimes it's also just because he gets back in a great big hurry. Want to hear another Carlson stat that might support that? I know a lot of people don't believe in plus minus as a stat anymore, but Carlson's a plus 11. That's the fifth best on this roster. And of course, that also predominantly accounts for even strength play. Plus 11 is something that you'll take halfway through the season. So what you have here in Carlson is a, I don't know, he's not point a game, but he's got 28 points in 39 games. Is that a big cut from what he did last season in San Jose? Sure it is. Of course it is. If he ends up with 60 points after having uh, 101, that's a, that's a big drop. I think he's capable of a lot more than that. But if you want to pick on him over giveaways or say that he's a disappointment or that he doesn't fit or he's an unnecessary part, you're ignoring an awful lot of other evidence. In addition to everything that I just gave you, there's been a tangible, visible impact on Chris Letang's play. He's now not the only guy who has to be out there for 27, 28, 29 minutes a game. He's now not the only guy who has to carry both the power play and the penalty kill. Now he just carries the PK. So it's had that effect. And more than anything, and this is why I opened the show the way I did in cautioning against climbing too high up this particular hill, Carlson is becoming increasingly more comfortable with everything that the Penguins are doing, but it's also true in the reverse. And if you've been listening to this show, you'll know I've been hammering this point for a while. They always had to adjust to him more than the other way around. Remember when that puck drifted back to him in Philadelphia at the right point? You know, on his goal? Even as the puck was going back, I had a thought, whoa, he's out there with the fourth liners. This is going to be a goal. All he has to do is hit the net. And sure enough, he just gets it there. He looks up, he sees both Jansen Harkins and Jeff Carter there and lets it fly. And Carter Hart never, ever, ever, ever saw this puck, not from blade to the back of the net. That's the kind of points, and for that matter, goals, that Carlson was putting up with a terrible San Jose team last year. It's incumbent on all of them, including Sid, Gino, Jake, the whole list, to go to the net when he has the puck. He will find a way to get it through. 
That includes getting it through the goaltender, or he'll set you up for a redirect, a tip, a rebound, one of those backdoor goals, whatever it is. He always had to be used properly. That's beginning to happen. When we come back, J1Q. J1Q comes from Tim, who says, D.K. Riley Smith is really becoming a concern. In my opinion, the lengthy playoff run that he just had with the Golden Knights is finally catching up to his 32-year-old legs. I was hoping the Christmas holiday would help him out, but it doesn't look like it has. What could the Penguins provide for him to help get him back to the game that he had in the early part of this season? Tim... I'm a little surprised that this subject doesn't come up more often, unlike the Carlson one that I brought up in the opening segment. Smith has two goals in his past 29 games, two, none in his past nine. And yeah, sure, he had the wonderful start, six goals in the first 10 games, and that tends to resonate. You know, first impressions count for an awful lot, both in hockey and in life. But, man, it did not last. And, moreover, when you're watching him, you you don't even really see anything. You don't see any impact. So I'm inclined to agree with you that a lot of it is about skating. I don't believe that anything in his background or character would point to his not, you know, not giving a crap. He doesn't strike me as being that type of guy at all. But when you see him, it's tough to see him, (laughs) okay? What has been noticeable also, though, and this is a pleasant contrast, is that over his past two games, during which, by the way, he's been bumped, and rightly so, off the second line down to the third, he's put nine shots on net. This is in the last two games. And that's not nine shot attempts, nine misses, nine blocks or whatever. It's nine shots that got through and got on net. So there's been a real emphasis between himself, the coaches, and everybody to take advantage of this wonderful release that he has. Some would term it as like a really upper level NHL release that he's always had. And especially... His tendency to shoot high, and I know there are situations, and I've talked about this on the program as well, where shooting high isn't your friend, but if you're good at it, and there's a lot of traffic, and there's a lot of messes going on around the net, if you shoot high, you're shooting to score, because that goaltender, there's a pretty good chance that he's either going to be down low, meaning body-wise, or looking low. And Smith has come really close to scoring over these couple of games as well. What's that mean? I don't know. I'm glad that he's no longer an albatross for Evgeny Malkin, as he'd become. We saw right away the Drew O'Connor impact on Geno in Philadelphia. And Geno needs to be operating with line mates that that aren't necessarily the caliber of the ones that Sid's got. But if he's out there with uh, Brian Rust and Drew O'Connor, 
and he's out there with a couple of very good players. As for Smith, he's now out there with Lars Eller and Valtteri Pustin, and you can just tell by the way their shifts have gone to date that he sees himself, and to an extent, I guess, they see him as the trigger guy on that line. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's good for Smith specifically. Because if he gets back into that shoot, shoot, shoot mindset, I'm going to say it again, the caliber of his release and generally speaking, the accuracy of his shot are going to work in his favor. We'll see how it goes. I appreciate the question. It's a good one and a fair one. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we're going to do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.